Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoyed this message. Turn with me if you would, and I'm not going to take much time, but I'm going to want Brother David to come up, but I want you to turn to Isaiah 54. I knew we needed to go back here. Many of you, of course, have been mindful, and we've kept mindful of the fact that God paid off this property, paid off this building. He worked a miracle for us. Anytime God does something, it's a miracle. And we don't diminish uh, and say it's any less than a miracle because it didn't happen the way we thought it would. Or because something, can I say this, because something spectacular didn't take place. Don't ever look for something spectacular. The three Hebrew boys didn't know something spectacular was going to happen. Right? Daniel didn't know something spectacular was going to happen. They just continued in their day-to-day habit of praying and worshiping God. So it's in the everyday good habits that we have that God can work in the supernatural. And that's what he did for us. It was just as supernatural. And yet when looking at those accounts, Pastor Nancy realized something spectacular. The money was there. (laughs) The money was there. (laughs) So don't ever look to God for something spectacular when he's trying to work in us something supernatural. That's what he did month after month, week after week, as we began to bring our offering, we began to bring the money, whatever it is that you had, that was, as I talked about that payoff Sunday, as they made sacrifice to stay in that upper room day after day, as they made sacrifice to give up the day-to-day luxuries to be there where Jesus told them to be. Many of you gave of every day, every month you began to bring. I'm, I'm bringing over and above. I'm bringing that extra. I'm making some sacrifices here. I'm making uh, taking of maybe what we had over here. And I'm going to start applying it to the miracle of the payoff of this building. And as you began to do that, that was your waiting time. You were waiting before God to see that supernatural activity of the payoff but because it maybe didn't look like to others so spectacular it was still just as supernatural he worked a miracle amen but here in Isaiah 54 this is where we started with this not even a year ago what was it nine months ago nine ten months ago Isaiah 54 verse 2 Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. That is, uh, strengthen your foundation. Strengthen your foundation. What was the word for this year? On faith. Flourishing faith. What is our foundation? Faith. Faith is your foundation. As Brother David just said, it's not the government. It is not uh, uh, what, what our current political system is. It's not what our current economic system is. It's not where you live. Because all through the years, the word of God remains the same no matter what it's looked like. 
and no matter what country you're in, and no matter who's in office, and no matter uh, where, where you find yourself in any, any stage, there was at one time in your life when you heard the word of God for the first time, right? And you heard a revelation, you heard even the word of faith for the first time, and you realize even in your own Christianity, even in your own walk with God, you did not have to suffer or be discouraged or live depressed or oppressed or lived without. Do you remember that time when you first realized, uh, I can serve God and he will take care of all of my needs? So we would say the light bulb. What is that? The revelation of the spirit. And so we, that is our foundation is that every day we're still strengthening that foundation. We're, we're tightening things down. We're securing things in our foundation. How do we do that? The word of faith. The word of faith. Um, look here, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be, habitations be stretched out. The curtains of your habitations. The habitations, that's plural. And I believe that has a significant meaning for this ministry Um, because there's many habitations or we could say many arms that we need to have strengthened for this ministry. (laughs) We have the church. We have the crusades. We have the publications, the books. You you understand everything that she writes, everything that we print, everything that's duplicated back there, all of that, it's, it's almost its own habitation because God can take that and send it to where she cannot go physically. The voice can go further than the physical body. The message can go further than a four, uh, a four walls where it's preached. This is habitations. So we're going to strengthen and fortify with the word and with flourishing faith. And this is what we did this year. This is what we're still doing. Strengthening our foundation of faith. Going back to the fundamentals. Amen. But I want you to see what the spirit of God this morning, I kept saying over and over, it just kept Uh, when you hear something over and over and over and over and over again, that's how God usually for me, it starts to come. It's one word that I'll just hear one phrase. I'll hear it over and over and over again. And that's this uh, stretched out, stretched out. It says in the King James, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Go with me if you would to Acts Acts chapter four. And I said, God, what is this stretch? Why do you keep saying, why does this keep coming? I woke up with it this morning. Stretch, 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 stretch forth. And this is what for us, this is what these two passages, what he he wanted to show me here. And he wants to show us. Verse 29 of chapter four. Now, Lord, Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching, by stretching, 
by stretching, by stretching forth thine hand to heal. This is our mandate. Jesus is the healer. By stretching forth thine hand to heal. Why must we stretch forth our habitation? Why must we enlarge? Why must we strengthen our foundation? Because there is a hand of healing that must also stretch. The stretch. The stretch you put on yourself to sow into the payoff of the building, it's going towards the hand of healing being stretched forth. Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Every stretch we take to enlarge, every stretch that you decide to make for the kingdom of God in this place goes to stretching of the hand to heal and signs and wonders to be done. This is our vision. This is what we have clear to us. This is what we understand. This is what we're not deviating from. And this stretch that we have, even now, um, there's things, when, when we were at the, the Victory Thon, even now, uh, God showed and and I talked to Pastor Nancy there was things that I saw uh even an enlarging of where we're going to the ministry is even going to start sowing into other ministries we're going to start sowing into why because we're stretching forth we're part of the stretching forth of his hand to heal for signs and wonders to be done in the name in the name when you believe in the name, then you believe in the assignment that that name has on it. There's the assignment of that name uh, is to deliver, it's to save, it's to set free the gospel. Our part is to stretch forth thine hand to heal. So as we, Brother David's gonna come up because he had things he shared with me weeks ago and things even God spoke to him about this morning. But I want us to be mindful that as we begin to bring things to you, of course, the ministry, it's not just you're stretching, we're gonna start stretching. I'm talking about the ministry, stretching forth that hand to heal financially into other ministries, going, which we have been, yes. We all know that. We bring before you the giving every, every year. At the end of every year, you can see how much giving goes out from this place. Anytime a minister comes, there's missions works. There's ministers that we're sending out. There's, there is always a flow in this ministry and out of this ministry. But see, there's now an enlarging. He didn't enlarge our stakes. He didn't tell us to enlarge and strengthen our foundation just for us. Amen. So uh, we're going to keep bringing things when it's time, as it, as it comes closer for the next building. It's going to be beyond uh, what's just going to be for our congregation. And you know that. But strengthen yourself in him in those things by stretching forth thine hand to heal. So when it says over in Isaiah that we're to Strength, we're, we're to enlarge our tents, large our place of living. That means so much more for us um, as we enlarge. Some, uh, well, I don't want to say that, but I, David, I'm going to hand this over to you because I think that was the part that I wanted to bring uh, for us that as we begin to bring things to you, this is 
your, what your part is, is to remember, I'm stretching, I'm enlarging, he's enlarging me, uh, he's developing me, he's developing my faith as we begin to strengthen our foundation in the word of faith. So also, uh, your things will be enlarged in your life, and that is so that we know that to stretch forth Jesus is the healer. Just last night, Pastor Nancy, how many of you were able to go last night to Chino? Thank you so much, all of you that came. We saw a different flow, a different operation, right? It was a different setting. Can we say this? It was a different stretching. Yeah. It was a different stretch. It was, it was just a, a different uh, expansion. And as pastor began to minister, those things, the way she operates and the things God has her to do, minister healing and bring the word of healing, bring the word uh, that you don't have to struggle in your mind anymore, <laughs> You can live completely free of torment. All of that, the word stays the same, but there's an enlarging in the ministry of that word. And so that's what she did. She was, we were enlarging last night. Even my kids said, wow, I didn't know it would be like that. I've never seen that before. And I think there's gonna be a lot of things that we'll begin to step into and say, we've not seen that before. We've not done that before. And if you'll go with that with your faith, not your mind, God began to deal with me. We have a vision here. There's a specific vision we've been given. And that vision without faith is just a dream. What's a dream? You know, when you dream at night, what do you wake up with? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing there. It was a dream. It happened and it, 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 now you gotta go, go get to a, work, a, a vision carries with it. When you put faith with it, it carries work. It carries revelation. Every vision must have faith. Our part is that we must flourish in faith and strengthen that foundation of faith so that the vision can go where it needs to go. Amen. Amen. Brother David. I'm just going to jump in here. Can I do that? Jump. jump. Everybody say jump. jump. And I'm going to set these out here, but I'm going to, those are notes. I'm going to cover them so I'm not tempted to look at them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Everybody say stretch. There is something about stretching that uh, at times is uncomfortable. Say uncomfortable. Well, it can put you in a place of unpredictability. It can cause you and your circumstances to ex have a little pressure on them that they've never had before. I, being a man, have never had a baby. I still know the difference between a man and a woman. I realize many in the nation do not understand the difference between a man and a woman. Lift your hand if you still know the difference between, praise his holy name. But I do have three children. I did not bear them. I provided the seed for them. But all the stretching, oh, I have not practiced this message. This is your fault. So if I get in trouble, Pastor Nancy will fix it. I just guarantee you that. But when seed is sown and something takes, there's a transaction that takes place. There's contact. There's, there's transmission. There's a connection between a seed and the ground that it was sown into. I know with all of our children, you know, uh, it took a few months for it to be evident that 
the seeds producing. Are you listening to me? And I'm so glad, it, ladies, I'm looking at y'all. I'm so glad it's you, you that have to endure the stretch. I really am. I don't mind working three jobs. I will work around the clock, but I ain't bearing no baby. My God, when, this, when our, uh, let's see, Ben, the last one, was born, he was, how do you say that, Pastor? They call him, he was, he was upside down and backwards. He was breech. He was sunny side up and the and the and the wrong direction. It's just like all the trajectory was wrong. And so you know, I still like the old days where, like in the days of Lucy and Ricky, and I love Lucy when like she had the baby. Ricky was in the waiting room passing out cigars. She was doing all the work. He was just like, and, and they were gonna come get him after the deal was all cleaned up, you know. And I, I still prefer those days. But I was in the room. And, you know, you know, you could really pe preach the message on the stretch that takes place after the seed. You know, about month three and four, is that about we end? Month three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine. You know, I was like, even so, come quickly, Lord, baby, come quickly, because it just does not look like Wendy can stretch anymore. But, you know, the deal is, and so you go to the hospital, the baby's born, all the stretching is taking place, you know. And, but I was in the room when Ben was born, and, uh, and uh, because he was upside down and backwards and everything, I just remember her mom was there, and I was there, and the doctor was there, and I remember the doctor saying, breathe, breathe, breathe. And, and when he said, what do you think I'm doing? And he says, I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to your husband. He looks like he's going to faint. And that is the truth. I really felt like I was going to faint. I was like, and eventually... He looked at her, and he, he, the doctor said, it, because it, it was not happening, he said, I'm going to give you one more chance to push. They were setting up for, what do you call the deal? Help me, ladies. C-section. I thought, oh, my God, and there will be blood. I am going to have to leave. <laughs> so they're setting up for that, but he looked at my wife and said, I'm going to give you one more chance to push. She did. And this is the truth. I hate to tell y'all this. I had practiced this message. This is totally your fault because you said that word stretch. She started pushing like I never seen no way pushing. My life. I went, I can't take it anymore. I'm out. I left the room. I just left the room. I left the room because I literally thought I was going to faint. So we had many conversations about that later. I was like, I was no help whatsoever. I just created. But are you listening to me? You've sown seed. There's time, you know, where the thing multiplies and increases and stretching comes. And stretching is uncomfortable. Let me just throw this little statement out to you. This is a faith church led by the Holy Ghost. You're a word and a spirit church. And a lot of people think that I get to hear the message of faith and that's going to create this this pressure-free environment where I need to coast and I, I don't have to work as much. I just get to live in such sweet comfort. Never any, never any challenge, test, trial, never anything that puts pressure on me. Not your faith primarily is not for your comfort. Your faith is to confront if you really want to go into a higher place, if you don't believe that, ask David when you get to heaven. 
One of the greatest days of his life was in the battle when he faced Goliath. You better know something about faith then, but God had prepared him. He said, I faced the lion. I faced the bear. This is the biggest challenge of my life, but this day, I will take your head off your shoulders. This day, the giant is coming down. You see, faith had prepared him, but faith did not make him comfortable. Faith made him confrontational. It didn't make him a snowflake. It did not make him someone that was willing to take on a challenge. It did not turn him into somebody that wasn't willing to confront anything that's wrong and say, I've got a covenant with God. I can take this wrong thing and I can take it and I can turn it and I can make it right. And so I came to try to encourage you today. It ain't time to put on your pajamas and go to sleep. You're about to take some territory that you've never taken before in your life. You're the faith people that know how to win a fight. You're the faith people that know how to take on a challenge. You're the faith people that aren't afraid of the giant. You're not afraid of sickness. You're not afraid of cancer. You're not afraid of disease. You're not afraid of Alzheimer's. You're not afraid of anybody's political opinion. You're the people because of faith. You're not trying to rest on your laurels. You're the ones that have been prepared for a fight. Sit down. My God, Jesus is going to have you play for him after the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm just telling you the truth. So I did have a word. That wasn't it. That just came hot off the wire. All of that word stretch. Guys, this is it. Jesus is coming soon. 6,000 years of human history behind us. A thousand year millennial rule and reign of Christ in front of us. Think about it. 4,000 years in the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, all the prophets of old. And then Jesus showed up. And he transitioned us into the New Testament. Then we had the day of Pentecost, 4,000 old, 2,000, 2,000 years of seed sowing since the day of Pentecost. Here's my question. Do you think that any generation has ever received off all the harvest, all the harvest off of all the seed that has been sown? Has any, help me preach, has any generation ever received all the harvest off of the seed that they have sown? The answer is no, they haven't. Brother Copeland would say it like this. I know, Lord, I'll get to that. Brother Copeland would say it like this. Here we are, 6,000 years of human history behind us, a thousand years standing right before us, the millennial rule and reign of Christ, and you're the generation in this teeny little sliver of time that will harvest all the seed sown since the Garden of Eden. No generation, no generation. Or even if you go since the day of Pentecost. Are you listening to me? Even Jesus being here, the greatest preacher and teacher that ever lived, sowing seed, sowing seed. But he said a greater, John said, something's coming greater. Amen. And then Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these because I go to my Father and he sent the Holy Ghost. What am I trying to say to you? 
it's not just your seed sowing. It's not just being said of you what was said of David. I think that's Acts chapter 13, that David served God in his generation. And then he died of an old age, having served God well and faithful. He served God in his generation. Are you following me? You're serving God in your generation. The only difference, guys, wake up call, ding, 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 newsflash. You're the ones, this church, we corporately connected together. We have this deal on us that we're going to harvest not only our seed sown, we're going to harvest the seed sown since the day of Pentecost, right before the catching away. That's why it's the greatest outpouring of glory and the greatest ingathering of souls. Why? Because the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. What is he saying? I want the harvest on my seed. Ever since the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life, died on a cross, and rose again, I want the harvest of billions of souls all over this planet. No generation has ever reaped that. They didn't reap it in Smith Wigglesworth's day. They didn't reap it in Kenneth Hagin's day. They didn't reap it in Oral Roberts' day, T.L. Osborne, John Osteen, and Norville Hayes. Guys, they're all part of the great cloud of witnesses. Now they're watching from the grandstands of heaven, and they're going, oh, if you only knew, only if you knew, if you could only see what we could see, if you could only hear what we're, and the Bible says they're aware of our spiritual progress. What does that mean? They're screaming from the other side. They gave their life as a seed, but you'll harvest the seed that they sowed. I don't know if this is making any sense to y'all or not. I just got to roll with what's in my heart right now. I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. Can you tell? The other day I was driving down the road with, y'all know Jacob Smith, the bass player, and he grew up Catholic, and I obviously grew up Pentecostal. And I said, Jacob, when you were going to Catholic church and Catholic school and, I don't know, altar boy or whatever y'all did, you know, I went to the altar and slung snot and cried my eyes out and tried to regain my salvation every Wednesday night and Sunday night because I thought salvation was not very durable. You just, it didn't last that long, brother. One bad thought, oh, I'm going to hell. I'm going to miss the rapture. There's the guillotine. I got to take the mark. I mean, this is all over. Dear God, one time I was only 15 years old. I left my dad accidentally at a rest stop just the other side of Orlando, and I, did, I thought he was in the car. I didn't realize he wasn't there until two hours later. <laughs> Hand of God, so help me. It was a true story. I driving down the interstate. My friend's in the car. My friend turns around. And he goes, <laughs> I thought, what in God's name is he doing? Dad said he was getting back there to sleep. He said he was going to sleep. That's why he pulled over in the rest there. Stop and had me drive. He turned around. He looked. He goes, David, your dad is not in this car. <laughs> I turned on the light in that 1977 Oldsmobile 98 white with green velour interior. Oh, God. I and I just thought, that's it. I missed the rapture. 
And the worst part, Stephen, the worst part of it is, is we just left youth camp. What do you do at youth camp? You get saved every night. I thought, I went straight from the altar where I got saved again for the 500th time. I went straight from the altar to the car. How many sins could I have committed? I'm all of 15, 16. I don't know why I'm dying. Anyway, I, I, God help me get out of this. So anyway, we went back and found him. I didn't miss the rapture. You can't talk me out of it that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. My word is be not weary in well-doing for in due season. And the season is due right now. Just like that nine months showed up with Caleb and Ben and Joey. There was a manifestation. There was a breakthrough. <laughs> there was a breakout. There's a lot of stretching to get there. Largely by her. Hallelujah. But harvest time came. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season. And it's here. It's here right now. Somebody says, I've heard that, you know, all my life. I just want to slap somebody that says that. It's like, what planet are you living on? You're going to reap. There's only one condition. You can't faint. And at times, you got to be willing to fight. I know that he believes, guys, when you grow up five, six, and everybody, including your sister that's 18 months younger than you, is like three or four inches taller than you, you learn two things. You learn how to fight, and you learn how to get an equalizer. I don't care if it's a baseball bat or a golf club. You're going to have an equalizer. Because one of us is going to lose this fight, and it ain't going to be me. I guarantee you that. So here's what happened to me. Um, I heard about your building payoff. I was so excited for you. You know, some of the things you think, is, is that the Lord talking or is that the inward witness? Who is that? What is that? A lot of people miss the supernatural leadings of the Holy Ghost because they're waiting for the spectacular. Let me say that one more time. He's leading you day by day. He's leading you, if you'll listen, minute by minute, hour by hour, and he's going to have you in the right pace, at the right place, at the right time, in the right base, being in the local church. Don't let me forget about the harvest deal and the other thing that I said. I, I, I just, Brother Copeland would say it like this. Help me, Pastor Nancy. Your, uh, your wealthy place. The will of God. I should know this. I've traveled with the man 30 years. We're going to edit this from the deal. The will of God is your wealthy place. The will of God is your wealthy place. I believe Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen and said, among other things, that one of the most important things you can teach my people in the last days is how to be led by the Spirit of God. How to be led. How to be led in your praying. How to be led in your giving. How to, how to be led in what you set your hand to. And at times, dear friends, it, it's how to be led even where you live geographically. And then the day and time in which you and I live, it's how to be led in what you do and what you don't do. Are you listening? Blessed is the man that walketh not. I love that. Psalm 1, first he tells you what not to do. Then he tells you what to do. I love that. 
I don't like that book that says, don't eat this, eat this. I always want to eat the part that says, don't eat, because I like dessert first. Just tastes better. Just tastes better if you eat dessert first. Why is that? Because you're hungry. And when you're hungry, things taste better. So I just, my way of thinking is just go ahead and do dessert first, and they'll put something good on top of it and cover it up. Doesn't that make sense? You can't get into worry, fear, care, anxiety, fret, or fatigue. 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 I've been doing this so long, man. What of it? We've been doing this a few minutes. You know, sometimes you beat yourself up at 62. It's like, my God, I've been in the ministry 44 years. I was born into it, like fourth generation. But outside my dad's church since I was 18. I was, I'm 62. That's 44 years. You ever been there in life where you thought, man, I thought I would have been further. I thought I would have accomplished more. I thought I would have had more. I thought I would have just done, lift up your hand and help me if you thought. <clears throat> and then this deal, this voice goes on. It's like, you're running out of time, dude, man. There's more candles on your cake. A lot of candles on there. Guys, it's just a few minutes. That's all it is. It's but a breath, but a vapor. Just a few minutes. But here's what we must understand. We're the generation that are putting the final touches on this church, Holy Ghost Word Church plan. We're the harvesters. Not just of the seed that you've sown. Is this... See, my... My dad was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. My great-granddad was a pastor. I said I never would pastor. I did for a few years. I know good and well, my parents, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents, they didn't harvest all the seed they sowed. Brother Copeland looked at me. Uh, this was 1999. Never forget it. You know, I've traveled with him 30 years. Very few times. I can only think of two or three that he flipped around and had a word of the Lord for me. But this was 1999, just before coming to California. And uh, he said some things about what I was called to do right that seven season. And he took his hands and he did him like a triangle. He said, the generations concerning the family that you were born into, concerning the family that you were born into, they were hindered in their generation. They did everything they knew to do. They did the work, but you'll harvest the seed. It hit me so hard because I, my great granddad was a circuit riding preacher, preaching brush arbor meetings, 13 children. Somebody said to him, what are y'all Catholic? He said, no, just passionate Pentecostals. <laughs> just children everywhere. I was like, my God, you have your own church. <laughs> I just got Brother Copeland did his hands like this. He said, you're at the top. You're not above. I'm not... Really <laughs> I almost feel like saying what Elijah said. I'm no better than my forefathers. 
Elijah was a man subject to like passions. It's like, you know yourself after the flesh, and that's not always good. He took his hands like this. He said, they sowed, and they sowed, and they sowed. They didn't harvest the seed in their time. You'll harvest not only your seed, you'll harvest the seed of your dad and your granddad and your great-granddad. Well, it behooves you when you want to quit to not quit or when you're tired or with through fatigue, you get weary. But if you stay in a church like this and around a minister and a ministry like this, and if you'll guard your heart, and if you'll feed and fertilize the fire, you can only flow with who you're following. You can only flow with what you're filled with. You can only flow with what you're familiar with. I'm determined to cross the finish line and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful. I'm also determined to harvest all the seed that I've sown, not just myself, but all the generations that preceded me. So I want to close with this. Y'all are such good listeners. I want to tell all preachers, just forget writing a set of notes if you go preach in Murrieta. You're not going to need them. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when I heard about your building paid off, you know, Remember me saying about 15 minutes ago, you know, before I left my dad at the rest area and all that other thing, and we had babies, and this is one of those messages. I know what's going to happen. It's like, good God in heaven. We went around the world. Hopefully something stuck. When I heard about your building paid off, first thing that came into my heart, oh, you're in a different room, in a different realm, in a different league right now. It's, it's like you can take carnal things, such as money. He says you can sow carnal things and reap the anointing. You took money and sowed to have a debt-free ministry. And I don't know how to thoroughly explain this, but I've run for 30 years with ministries that that's their keynote feature. They just made a dogged determination. And then when they wanted to quit, and it would have been very easy to obtain a mortgage. They just said, either faith works or it doesn't. Either this is true or it's not. And they wouldn't back up on their faith, and they were willing to go on the battleground and look the giant in the sand and say, you're coming down. I'm not borrowing money. I am going to do this. So this is what rose up in my heart. Now you're in the big league. Different room. Different realm. Higher, greater glory, greater anointing. But then it wasn't long after that. I'm not talking about a vision where you fall out. I've never had one of those. I'm just talking about a little picture on the inside. But I really was thinking about you guys. And I went back and I watched the service. And there was only two things I was concerned about when y'all saw paid in full. Pastor Nancy was standing here. Y'all... This looked like a running track at the YMCA. My first concern is, my, and so she wisely backed up to let the runners run. And the other thing I was a little bit concerned about is that you would burn your arm off because you just held that thing. 
And I was watching it going, Stephen, let it go right now. Let, the, let it go. Let it go. No, 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 there's Stephen. Just holding the fire, holding it just as I was like, my God, let the thing go before you burn your arm off. So there's only two things I was concerned about. But this came to me. Take it or leave it. But it's true. Some, particularly if you grew up like I did in a Pentecostal setting, my God, if you got a building paid for, you know, when they did the mortgage burning thing, and oh, what a big deal it was. Just a big deal. So, but there was this air about it. Yeah, you know, they threw down, did the funky chicken, did a two-beater, to run around the room and all that. But they had this, this deal about them as, whew, we're done. We're finished. We finally accomplished it. And now, amen, we get to rest on our laurels and just turn into, you know, museum keepers or something. It's absolutely true. This is the way they thought. My God, we killed chickens and baked cakes and watched cars, and we finally got this mortgage paid off. I'm Pentecostal. There's a lot of chickens that gave their life to pay for buildings. There's a lot of dead chickens. I came over my word of faith. I'm like, my God, leave them chickens alone. Jesus died. You ain't got to kill a chicken. We killed chickens, we washed cars, we baked cakes, we did rummage sales, we did everything. We sold ourselves as slaves to go. And I'm like, my, this is seriously Old Testament. We've done everything except cut ourselves and bring some animal and slice it open. But here was the deal. In my dad's churches and my granddad's churches, once they had the pay, mortgage paid off, I just noticed they, they had this attitude. Well, yeah, you did it your way, and it did near kill you and the chicken. A lot of clean cars. They had this deal. Grant, like, that's it. We're done. But I was thinking about you guys. Again, it's just a little inward witness, and sometimes I see pictures. So for you guys, it was like there was a racetrack. A racetrack. And the Lord said, tell them one thing. In the payoff of the building, they didn't reach the finish line. That was the gun going off. It's a different room, a different realm a different race, and a different pace. That's what I heard. That's all I had to offer you is you didn't reach the finish line. The gun just went off, and you're about to run further, faster, hotter, harder. You're about to take territory like you've never taken it before. You're going to build buildings. You're going to reach your community. You're going to re reach into different demographics. You're going to reach different ethnicity. So we said, we're a church of, I don't know, four or five hundred people ever. How many? How can this many reach the world? Hey, Jesus reached with 12. And one of them committed suicide. Don't tell me what you can't do. You tell me what you will do. 
You talk to me. You tell me. You look at a piece of property and you say, I'm taking that. You look at a building you say, I'm taking that. You look at a nation and you say, I'm taking that. You look at another uh, channel of TV and you say, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. In fact, I'm taking all of it. So that's why I felt like I was supposed to come today and yell, because that's all I know to do. <laughs> the truth is, is when I'm by myself, I'm very quiet, which is why I yell, Stephen, when I get in the, pla in the, in the uh, podium. I just save it all up. <laughs> he said, paint the picture for him. The gun just went off. It's as if it's not an old racetrack revisited. It's almost a, a brand new room, a brand new realm. We so honor those that have gone before us. I find myself thinking about it, man. Here recently, the great cloud of witnesses. I think about Brother Hagen. I do. I hear Brother Copeland. He's like, I miss him so much. Would you say that Brother, Cop uh, Brother Hagen finished his race? Go teach my people faith. Did he do it? Huh, slightly. Would you say that Oral Roberts take healing to your generation? Did he do what he was called to do? Would you say that T.L. Osborne or Norval Hayes or John Osteen, did they do what they were called to do? I would say so. Brother Copeland's still with us. I think about that, you know. Brother Hagen was go teach my people faith. Brother Roberts was take healing to your generation. Brother Copeland was, I'm going to hold you responsible for the laws that govern increase and prosperity. No ministry team like Gloria and Kenneth Copeland broke the barrier of prosperity like they did. Now, he's still here, but he has done that assignment. Take increase. I'm going to hold you responsible for the laws that govern increase and in prosperity. Has he done it? Yes, he's still here. But many of those that I just mentioned, they're not here. But in this last lap and leg of the race, he's handing the baton to word and spirit churches. And they're yelling, do it, do it. Pick up the pace. Carry the mission. Carry the mandate. Carry the mantle but you run further and hotter. Guys, we can do things in our generation that Kenneth Hagin couldn't do, even because of technology. Are you listening to me? Every generation is supposed to increase. So, you know, I hope I made a little bit of sense to you this morning. Such a word in my heart to try to bring to you. Don't settle. Get in the stretch. Don't stay silent. Get in the fight. I'm talking about the good fight of faith that you always win. Or listen to me. Pick up the pace. Hallelujah. And uh, since a shift in my heart, I'm trying to close. Thank you, Lord. Can we just put up our hands right now and worship the Lord? Pastor Morgan, if I left out anything, you're welcome to remind me. Thank you, Father. I hear that. 
The hand of the Lord is on this family for good and not for evil. The hand of blessing is on this family for good and not for evil. The hand of increase is on this family and it is good and it is for your good. For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and to bring you to things that I've prearranged for you. I'll bring things to you that you don't even ask me about. I'll excel. I'll exceed. I'll have the answer before you know about the need. And you as a family will look at buildings and property and you'll look at it and you'll say, could we? Should we? You have the witness of the Spirit. And he would say, every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. The mantle, the mandate, the mission, the co-mission, co-operating, co-operating mission between a prophet and a pastor, between a traveling ministry and a local church. You'll be the fulfillment of what I always wanted it to be since the new birth. For I have always wanted the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to flow together. I have always wanted it to not be many different divisions, but one cooperating mission. And this local hub, this power base, this prototype church that is filled with so much grace, the local church will lack for nothing. For the light that shines the farthest reaching out into the world shines the brightest at home. The church has an international effect literally all over the world. And so, Lord, I come back to that one thing that I seem to see and say just a moment ago. You sovereignly, by grace, before they were born, you chose this family to lead many, stir them up, to be a voice to cause people to pick up the pace. Through this ministry, many will fulfill their individual call and fulfill their race. And Lord, I see that. Many is the minister. Many is the pastor. Many is the church that through you, they'll be further able to do what they're called to do. In other words, they'll be able to cross the finish line when connected to each one of you. Hallelujah. So we lift up our hands. Thank you. It's 
bigger than you know. It's bigger than you know. It's bigger than you know. Can you worship the Lord just one second? Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We consecrate and we dedicate to your will, your word, and your way. Your word, your will, and your way. Not our will, but yours be done each and every day. Hallelujah. Stephen, sometimes I'm so hesitant on saying things. Before I ever heard you preach, it was, remember, I, it was, I guess it was in a, a, uh, one of the meetings. You did a night service. I can't remember if it was a Holy Ghost meeting or a ladies' meeting and a camp meeting, something like that. I'd never heard you preach before. And I was glad the Lord said this to me before I ever heard you preach. Because sometimes you see people outside the pulpit, you know, and then in the pulpit, as the Bible says, they're turned into another man. The anointing comes on, it turns you. If you're turnable, Some are not turnable because you have to be willing to be ugly for Jesus and just be wild, just be crazy. I never had a problem with that. I don't, I flat don't care. I can't tell you how much I don't care. People try to make me care and you can't even make me care. Can't. I don't care. I, before I heard you preach, I was sitting in the service. You hadn't ministered yet. Of course, I've known you for years, known your family for over 30. I was sitting right there. And the Lord said to me, the same thing that was on your great-granddad was on his, is on him. Same thing that was on your great-granddad is on him. Well, I thought about all the stories. I never met him. He went to heaven, I think, late 40s, early 50s. He did pre-tent meetings, brush harbor meetings. Does anybody know what a brush harbor is? That's when you just go in, you clear a piece of property, you take the brush, and you make an arbor so people don't get rained on. He was in a meeting in Alabama. He had caught so much persecution. People had tried to shut the meeting down, including the leaders of the city. They said that James Benton Ellis, he's a fake. He's a fraud. He's a phony. These miracles don't happen. He's just doing it for the money. The mayor's wife had polio and was in a wheelchair. Granddad was preaching one night. Great granddad was preaching one night. By the spirit, it had to be a gift of faith or maybe the Lord told him to do it called the woman's name and he said remember she's the mayor's wife polio wheelchair they were one of the biggest broadcasters of he's a phony he's a fake he's paying people to say these miracles happen he called him by name and he said if that lady whatever her name was said if she'll come to the meeting tomorrow night god will raise her up out of that wheelchair and if god doesn't do it I'll burn this brush arbor. I'll put my Bible on top of the fire. I'll walk away and never preach again. I dare them to come to the meeting. Well, guess who came the next night? Not because she was willing to be healed. Not because she wanted to be healed. Because, now you can't just do that arbitrarily. You understand if I would, my God, I'd have great meetings. So here the woman comes the next night, Stephen. She's in a wheelchair. She honestly thinks he's a fake. He's a phony. She doesn't want to be healed. She's trying to discredit the man and the ministry. 
He's publicly said, God will heal her. And if he doesn't, I'm going to burn this brush arbor in front of everybody. Here she came the next night. He's preaching. This is in his autobiography called Blazing the Gospel Trail. He said she showed up. She didn't show up alone. A bunch of people came with her because they're going to look at the showdown. And they think she's going to win. Here she comes in the wheelchair. Grad Dad's preaching. In his book, he says, he's saying, God, you got me in this. You better get me out. Said he's preaching. Power of God came on him. He went and stood in front of her and said, I command you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The power of God lifted her up out of the wheelchair. She reached back for the wheelchair. She suspended in midair because she doesn't want to come out of the wheelchair. But the power of God lifted her up. Granddad ran and grabbed her on the old shoulders. He let go of her shoulders. He went and grabbed the wheelchair and ran it away from her. The Holy Ghost set her back down. She's running, chasing the wheelchair. And my granddad is pushing the wheelchair around the... And she's running around trying to chase the wheelchair she said she would never be healed out of. Well, that's pretty much a validation service. God did stuff like that. They would put dead chickens in the brush harbor and said, if you don't shut this meeting down, that's going to be you. We're coming after you. We're going to kill you. More than once they tried to kill him couldn't do it. So, dude, pastor, brother, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, whatever. <laughs> I heard in my heart the miracle anointing. And you didn't make it up. It's true. Never heard you preach. The same thing that was on my great-granddad is on you. You're going to see notable miracles. Notable miracles. I hope I get to be there for one of those showdowns because I like a challenge. Hallelujah. I think I'm done. Can we just worship one more time? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. I would yield to you, Pastor Morgan, Pastor Nancy, or is there... I don't think I do. Um... Not trying to be, be um, belabor this or draw it out. When you said stretch, I was in a service in 1998, and uh, long story leading up to it. In the it, it, during the meeting, the Lord said, "Would you be willing to sow ten thousand dollars in this meeting?" That was a lot. And the only reason we had $10,000 is because we just sold a house. And we, and we bought one of those houses. Listen to this. You ever bought a house that has amazing potential? <laughs> Lift your hand if you've ever bought. Like, this is a great opportunity. This is don't be moved by what you see. Oh, what this can be through the eye of faith. Well, we just sold one of those houses. The Lord said, would you be willing to uh, sell $10,000? So, well, yes. Last day of the meeting, it was a week-long meeting. It was a Marquesy meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. The Lord said, I was starting to home from the afternoon service. 
And the Lord said, when you get to the service tonight, I want you to sow $25,000. I went, that's not what you said. That is not what you said. That's not what you said in the free gift. Because high 20s, that's all I had. To renovate a house that you're going to have to pitch pennies. Oh, y'all, I'm talking brown wood paneling, avocado gold kitchen, gold, uh, green, avocado green uh, countertops, gold shag carpet. Just amazing potential. Amazing. But every dollar times three was, when you get the service, I want you to sow $25,000. I'm not talking to you. I pulled into Quick Trip and I got like three donuts and, and, and just every cause I, maybe if I drown out the voice of the Lord with sugar. I'm not kidding. I was like, I'm driving around drinking coffee, eating donuts. I'm not kidding. So I thought, that's you. I know that's you. And I went home and I took a nap and I was laying there, stretch. The Lord said, I saw a slingshot. He said, I know your future better than you know your past. This is the trajectory of the stretch of your faith for $10,000. But this is the trajectory and the stretch this way of $25,000. And he took that slingshot and pulled it all the way back and he changed the directory. He said, all I'm doing is stretching your faith. I'm using this seed to catapult you into the future I've prepared for you. And you got to stretch to get there. And for me, it was monetarily. I don't know why he loves me so much. He does. 10 changed to 25. And the end of that story, I could take from now till tonight to tell you every place I've ever gone, everywhere God prepared it before I ever got there. I never submitted an application to work with Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Pastor Nancy, some of the greatest prophets and preachers of the land. I never did anything. In fact, I did a lot to be disqualified. But the one thing, I just stayed faithful. If you tell me to do it, I'll do it. If you tell me to do it, I'll do it. If you tell me to do it, I do it. See, it'll prepare you. The stretch, the stretch. So praise the Lord. I'm done. Did y'all get anything this morning? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you to the Dufresne family. Please honor this family. Lift up your hand if this is your local church. These are your pastors. Just trust me. Your prosperity is connected to how you honor this house this church. Honor this family. Honor the mission. Honor the assignments. They have. Your prosperity is connected to it. Come, Pastor. I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at defrainministries.org.